0: healthy girl kitchen i am obsessed with healthy girl kitchen she's a vegan food blogger and health coach i want to be her best friend invigorating conversations with leading experts danielle spends her days helping others improve their health this is the healthy girl podcast with your host danielle keith Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. It is so great to be back. I missed you guys. Um, Let's see. This morning was a little bit of a busy one. Um, I had a chocolate peanut butter smoothie for breakfast that was so good. I have a recipe for it on my Instagram. If you go to my vegan chocolate milkshake reel, or TikTok post, you can find the recipe that I made. But basically, I make this smoothie in the morning that has banana, peanut butter, cacao, which is just raw cocoa, chocolate protein, spinach, um, ice, almond milk, and oh my God, it actually tastes like dessert. And it just makes me so happy in the morning. I was craving that the second I woke up. I don't know about you, but like sometimes in the morning, I just like wake up craving a certain breakfast and I have to have it and can't move on with my day until I have it. Um, and sometimes I want a more savory breakfast. Sometimes I want a more sweet breakfast. You know, it just depends on the mood. I then did a workout. I've been doing virtual personal training, which I honestly have been loving. I didn't know if I would like it at first just because, I don't know, I prefer to go to group classes in person. I love working out at the gym. I love like going somewhere to do my workout. Sometimes I find it hard to do it at home, but because of COVID, we have not been to the gym. I don't feel comfortable going to the gym yet, even though they're open here in Florida. I don't feel comfortable going to the gym in my building or an outside gym. And I definitely don't feel comfortable yet going to a group fitness class. And honestly, like even going to one and wearing a mask just doesn't sound great. So I've been doing this virtual personal training through this program called Flex It. And I am actually loving it because you can do the workout through the online app and you can do it at home so you don't have to go anywhere. And like this isn't um, sponsored or anything, I just wanted to tell you about it because I actually am loving it. And they have so many trainers you can choose from. And all of the trainers I've used have been incredible. And unlike a group fitness class, like they really pay attention to you and because it's one-on-one. So they can correct your form. They can tell you if you're doing something wrong. They can help you reach your goals. Anyway, I've been obsessed with it, but I do have a discount code for it so that you guys can try it out. If you use my code, Danielle10, you'll get your first personal training session for $10, which is a great deal. One of my favorite trainers is Richard Robinson. If you want to check out one of my trainers, I also really like Caroline Lelouch. If you want to train with one of the trainers I train with, they're amazing. And again, the program is Flexit. I'll link it in the show notes so that you guys can try it out. And again, my discount code is Danielle10. Anyway, I'm going to tell you the health tip of the day as always, my cooking tip of the day, and then I'll tell you about our guest because you're going to be obsessed with her. So for the health tip, we're going to talk about whole grains Now, I think we all need to make a goal of focusing on getting more whole grains into our diet. And honestly, we're in this diet culture where carbs are kind of villainized and everyone's on this like keto low carb kick. But I'm here to bring whole grains back, bring carbs back because they are really amazing for your health. And it's so easy to get into the habit of having white pasta, white bread, white rice, you know, all of that good stuff, pizza, um, However, the whole grain counterpart has so much fiber and nutrients and health benefits when compared to the refined grain, right? So... Try having brown rice instead of white rice, whole grain bread instead of white bread, whole wheat pasta or a chickpea or lentil pasta instead of white pasta. You're gonna get more health bang for your buck and whole grains are also better for like weight loss, gut health, preventing constipation, right? Cause they have fiber and protecting against like heart disease and lowering cholesterol and they're just really great for you. So have more whole grains. I promise you will feel so much better. And then cooking tip of the day will be, you know, this will be especially pertinent to you if you live a busy lifestyle and need super easy dinner recipes. I have been obsessed with one pan dinners because one, they don't make a mess. Two, they taste good. And literally three, they're so easy to put together. So I have a new one pan dinner recipe that you have to try. Basically, you just take a baking sheet like that you'd bake cookies on, cover it in parchment paper so that it doesn't stick, and then you put all of your ingredients to it. And it's super versatile. You can use any ingredients you want. But I have a new recipe for one that has tofu, green beans, and sweet potato and like an Asian inspired sauce with sesame seeds. It's the bomb. And um, you can find it on my website, healthygirlkitchen.com. If you make it, please let me know. It is so good. Okay. Before I tell you about our guest of the day, if you are listening to this episode right now, take a screenshot, post it on your Instagram story, tag me at healthy girl kitchen, because I love seeing who is tuned into the podcast. It actually makes my day. And then also if you would so kindly rate, subscribe, leave a review for the podcast, it helps me so, so much Our guest of the day is Alyssa Fontaine. She is a plant-based registered dietitian, and she specializes in weight loss, relationship with food, and plant-based nutrition. She helps you stop obsessing over food, feeling guilty over foods. She helps you find a strategy that custom fits your lifestyle to help you lose weight and keep it off for good. And she also focuses on helping people transition to a plant-based diet. Her goal is really just to help others feel amazing and confident enough to accomplish anything they desire. She's just so sweet. I think you're going to really like this conversation that we have just because it provides so much value. So with that, let's get into the episode. Hi, Alyssa. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: I'm so excited. As I said, I'm pumped to hang out because I'm so used to watching your TikTok videos and everything that you do on social media that I feel like I already know you in some kind of weird way.
1: That's exactly how I feel. (laughs) Same to you. I love your TikTok page. Uh, All your recipes. I'm like, oh, that's really good. I should do another version of that too.
0: (laughs) I know. I'm I'm so used to seeing your face, so it's good to connect. And I'm yes. so excited to every, for everyone to hear all about you and all the information you have being a plant-based dietitian. So incredible. Um, so I normally end with this, but I thought it would be fun to start with this. I ask my guests a series of questions that are just like icebreaker, get-to-know-you fun questions. So I want to start with these this time instead awesome. of ending yeah. on them. And we're going to start with what would your last meal on earth be?
1: What would my last, something with mushrooms. Mushroom came to my mind. I'm obsessed with mushrooms um, and I'm obsessed with pasta. So probably like some type of like creamy pasta, cashew, mushroom dish.
0: Oh, that sounds so good. I'm also obsessed with pasta. So I'm with you on that one. Um, exactly. <laughs> what is one thing you can't live without in your morning routine?
1: Mm, morning routine honestly cuddling my dog but since we're talking about nutrition <laughs> i think for me uh i just need a glass of water or a tea or just something to wake me up i know it sounds really weird <laughs> but i need to have that and i recently uh started drinking less coffee so i also so in, like in the habit of drinking coffee in the morning so the habit hasn't died so i need to have something to quench my thirst in the morning <laughs>
0: And what is something quirky about you that people would be surprised to find out?
1: Uh, I guess a lot of people uh, in my surrounding, they see me like I I did a lot of education for a long time. I worked in the corporate world for a long time, but actually a part of me kind of just wanted to live uh, the digital nomad kind of life. So I quit my job about a year ago. Uh, sold my house and took in montreal quebec and then we took everything uh and moved out west in a ski town just to ski uh because i'm i'm crazy i just love skiing and so i guess the quirky part of me would be like you see me i look professional like doing my things but actually like i'm a very big skier and i just like that part of my life is really important and having that that how can i say that balance with life for so long in my life (laughs) or I see so many people were just especially in social media you can do so much right when does it stop so I guess the quirky thing about me is like people wouldn't expect me to see me like shredding down the slope
0: (laughs) no I had absolutely no idea you could have fooled me (laughs) Um, if you had to pick one form of exercise to do for the rest of your life what would it be
1: I guess skiing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would that would definitely be it. I am actually one of those people that actually enjoys the gym. Um so I it just makes me feel so good after. Um so not going to the gym right now is a little weird. I got injured and a lot of gyms are kind of sketchy with COVID right here. I don't know about you, but gyms are still open, but like we have so many cases of COVID that I'm like, uh-uh. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I'm <laughs> no, with thanks. you. I, I haven't been to the gym since March and I miss it so much. I just, I would do anything to walk on a treadmill.
1: <laughs> no, it sounds crazy, but just like being able to move your body and just enjoy it. But honestly, So Jim and I would also add hiking Uh, from moving out west, going to Banff, going to all those areas. You're like, holy shit, this isn't this is in my area. So hiking when there's beautiful views is definitely a sport that I don't want to quit. We want to do Pentagonia. We want to go out to Europe. We want to go do a bunch of different trails. So uh, definitely hiking, too.
0: Yeah, I love hiking. Obsessed with it. But I live in Florida, which is completely flat. (laughs) There is no hiking here, no mountain. We always joke, you know, those, like, I don't know if they have them by you, but, like, a landfill. Um yes. <laughs> And it looks like it, we joke that, like, that's, like, the biggest place, the biggest mountain you could hike on.
1: You might have Lake Tahoe, though, right? Or, uh, and Mammoth Mountain, but I guess that's further. You'd have to do a good drive up north.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, we don't have any kind of mountain range here. You know, once you go to, like, Tennessee and those places, you yeah. know, you have mountains you know like the smoky mountains in Tennessee but no mountains here so I'm jealous
1: what you're in Florida right yeah you're in Florida not okay yeah I heard California yeah no Florida is like so flat
0: (laughs) yes oh yeah no Florida so flat we have oceans beautiful palm trees but no hiking so I'm jealous um (laughs) what is your favorite grocery store
1: um it really depends. But here we have one called Street Market and it has like so many different vegan options. So I like going there. But every time I leave there, I'm like, holy shit, that was $200 <laughs> for one supper. So, so like the $200. Whole Foods. Yes, exactly. The Whole
0: Foods of Canada. Exactly. Okay. Next is Would You Rather Foodie Edition? This is just like rapid fire. Would you rather? Yep. Starting with peanut butter or almond butter? Peanut butter. Pasta or pizza? Pasta. Cookies or brownies?
1: Oh, brownies.
0: Spinach or kale? Kale. Pancakes or waffles?
1: Pancakes.
0: Smoothies or juices?
1: For sure. Smoothies. Yeah.
0: Hot fudge or caramel? Hot fudge. Lemons or lime? Lime. Hummus or guacamole?
1: Both. Uh, Guacamole with chips.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pesto or marinara sauce? Pesto. Me too. Freaking love pesto. But you did it. That's Would You Rather Foodie Edition. So thanks for playing. (laughs) Um, I just I love to do that. That's honestly my favorite part of the podcast. Um, But (laughs) let's like jump into you, your background. You want to start with like where you grew up, your childhood?
1: Yeah, Yeah, so I'm a fellow Canadian (laughs) and I do say a I do. Um, So I was born in Ottawa, Ontario, and then grew up with parents that were very health oriented my grandpa has, um, wasn't health oriented. His arteries were blocked in 95%. Uh, and then his doctor said, you need to change your diet. And then he changed his diet and his arteries were so much better. And, uh, he stopped eating meat. so he started becoming more plant-based. This is like way back when, and then he, um, he lived until he was 91. So that I think really affected me influenced me to become a dietitian. Because I was so like around that and I saw the power of food on people's bodies. And then I moved to Montreal, Canada to go to McGill University. It's a university where we study dietetics. I did all my stages to become a dietitian. Hated the hospital. Hated it. (laughs) And so I decided to... uh, That's my dog. (laughs) shaking it off. So then I decided to... uh, do private practice. I worked for a gym chain company and oversaw 70 dietitians there for about four years, six years. So I really learned weight loss, uh, sport nutrition, I really eating disorders. I really mastered that there. And then about a year ago, like I said earlier, I decided to start my own business and just go full on plant-based vegan and have my own clinic online and my own programs and blog, not as much as you. I'm not there yet. (laughs) I'll get there one day, but, uh, also just share my recipes online and share my knowledge.
0: So what made you want to become plant-based?
1: Uh, first thing, uh, to keep your license as a dietitian, we have to go do conferences to get credits, to be able to maintain it. And so I went to one and they were like showing this graph and, uh, they were like, here are all the positive effects of plant-based nutrition. And here are the effects of milk and dairy on heart disease. And uh, I saw that there were so many benefits and I didn't really like me. I only ate it because I thought I had protein, to be honest. And so that hit me. And then about a year later, my dog, we put him in a daycare. (laughs) This is a little weird, but we put him in a daycare and uh, my boyfriend brought him there and then he saw a pig that was also in the daycare. And then for some reason, my fiance was like, a uh, pig is the same thing as a dog. And apparently also they have like the memory, uh, same recall as like a three-year-old child, right? So we started looking into this and he got he came home and he's like, I want to be vegan. So then me as a dietitian, I was like, oh hell no, like that's super restrictive. Like I, I didn't see the ethical side yet. And then I still did it a bit for him, but I continued eating cheese because I love my cheese and poutine. And so after that, what I decided to do is I decided to become a bit more informed about it, saw the classic, saw Netflix documentaries. And then I went to an animal sanctuary to help out and volunteer. And that's where I saw a cow that uh, was mistreated in a facility for me. And he, uh, he was left in piss for way too long. So his whole entire, half of his body, the bottom half, was uh, like rashes and burns and stuff like that. And he's like this little baby calf called Leo, super cute. Uh, and he was just helpless there. Got in the car, my best friend uh, to drive back home. She's also vegan. And the time I wasn't, I was just plant-based for like health reasons. And I just started bawling in the car. And, and then I never ate cheese like cheese again at that point. So this was about two years, maybe more. So I, I very much like it. it was different. I think like everybody, that's kind of their different way of becoming vegan (laughs) and that was my path
0: oh for sure and when you first went plant-based did you experience benefits immediately did it take longer to see the benefits if did you feel the same
1: I thought I think I felt the same um because I was already a dietitian I already was having like a good type of diet and then I just substituted things but like it's hard doing the transition. Like when I got into the grocery store, I was like, what do I buy? <laughs> like, what do I put in my sandwiches? Like, where do I start? What are the vitamins? What are the minerals? So I, I didn't see too many changes, but it was definitely like, I, it took a lot of my time to figure out what I should be doing. There's <laughs> <was> more energy.
0: <laughs> For sure. But I think once you figure it out and like figure out those simple swaps, then you go from there and it just becomes like second nature, you know, cause we're so wow. used to, we all kind of grow up, at least most of us eating meat as a staple dairy as a staple. And you don't really learn to think outside the box from a, a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich. Like you never would think, Oh, maybe I'll make a grilled tofu sandwich with like some avocado on it. Like we're, we have our blinders on and we're kind of stuck within like a repetitive cycle of the same meal. So I know for me, like I really learned to think outside of the box once I became plant based.
1: Right. You kind of have to, like, okay, what else do I put in? And oh, okay, I have to build new cooking skills. I think that's what I like. I had never built cooking skills, I just took what I knew and just like. that was my day right and then there you you realize what you can do with cashews what you could do with tofu uh all the things that you can do and it's just like another world and you don't miss like i personally don't miss meat. i don't miss cheese because i have alternatives that i love
0: right and i think It's interesting that you said you didn't feel any like drastic benefit, which I think is important to touch on just because I think, you know, whether you watch all these documentaries, Forks Over Knives, Game Changers, What the Health, you know, they're kind of documenting people that do see these dramatic changes and you might expect the same thing. But if you are maybe already eating pretty healthy, it might not be that drastic of a change. But I think what you don't realize is what's going on on the inside, which you know, you can talk about a little bit more. So what are some internal benefits that, you know, you might not see it, it might not be weight loss or something like that, but things like preventing heart disease?
1: Yeah, well, when we look at um, different levels of how much plants you're incorporating in your diet, so like from an omnivore or somebody who eats like meat to like vegetarian to vegan, the mortality rate, so um, how long you will live, you will live longer if you eat more plants. It's a complete correlation. And that's because of, like you said, heart disease, diabetes, all the chronic diseases, cancers, all of them go down if you eat more plants. And we really see it. And of course, I came from a place where I was already eating a lot of fiber. But a lot of my clients that I see, they're, not, they're eating a very transformed diet. They're eating a lot of red meats. They're eating, there's a lot of things. So for them, it is a big shift. So I think that that's also important to say is that I, as a dietitian, had this isn't like my job, right? So I kind of knew what to do or figure it out and I was already eating well. But in my clients, I see their energy going up. I do see weight loss because they're eating more fiber. They're feeling more full. I see their skin getting better. I see so many positive side effects um, externally and internally in those people.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Um, And for someone who is new to plant-based eating, what would be like the first piece of advice that you would give them if they're looking to shift into a plant-based lifestyle?
1: First advice, I would say it depends, right? Because there's some people that want to do it for health and there are people that want to do it because now they're vegan. So people that are like, I'm never eating meat or milk ever again, they're demanding to have drastic changes. So then if you had that motivation and you're motivated for those ethical reasons, then usually I'll be like, okay, go all in, um, take your meals that you like and just swap out Like, for example, uh, the meat out of your sandwich, try grilled tofu, right? So make little substitutions that make it just plant-based. Don't try, like, 20 new recipes this week. It just gets overwhelming, right? So I would just say modify a bit your meals. And then for people who are um, for, like, uh, health reasons, I don't recommend going 100% vegan just because of the health reasons and doing it now because usually will lead to restrictions. And there's this something called restraint theory, where if you tell yourself, I'm not going to have that chocolate, then you're going to end up actually having more chocolate. So what we've seen in studies is people, uh, two groups of people, one group of people who are like allowed to have chocolate anytime and people who were not allowed to have it. Guess who ate more chocolate? The ones that weren't allowed to have it, they had a huge binging right after. Right. So that's why I'd say be two different. Depending on why you're doing it, I would give you different advice. So somebody who is vegan ethical, like, do a little substitution. And somebody who's new will just change one meal, like one lunch. Okay, this week, I'm going to do plant based lunches. This week, I'm gonna do plant based breakfasts, just one step at a time. So it doesn't feel like a restriction.
0: For sure. And in addition to feeling like a restriction, even for just, you know, someone who might not be prone to an eating disorder, it's extremely overwhelming to overhaul your entire diet. And that alone can lead to you wanting to give up and not want to pursue you know whatever diet it is and you know maybe it's a plant-based diet because I find you know people go on a diet and then it's too much and then they quit because it's just too much to think about
1: I hear it all the time like I was vegan once for a month I did a challenge and uh, I was so hungry and I just started binge eating food or I had no energy uh, or like um, I had iron deficiency Um, which are all things that are preventable it's just the way that you go the process that you take to get there
0: right right and there definitely is a right way to approach eating plant-based because I have talked to people who said well oh I went vegan and it didn't work for me and I'll ask well what did you do? And they'll either be like, "Oh, well, I was eating a bunch of fake meat and fake cheese, and they weren't like including a lot, you know, all the good stuff," or they were like, "Well, I was eating vegetables, and they they didn't know to include the beans and the lentils and the tofu and the healthy fats and everything to make up a healthy plate." So, can you talk a little bit about what a balanced plate would look like?
1: Yeah, um, for a balanced plate when you're vegan or plant based. Um, usually I recommend half of your plate being vegetables. You probably recommend something similar, right? So a lot of veggies in there, um, and then a quarter of your plate being grains. So, and usually I like to say whole grains and not refined. So grains that you can find pretty much, if you go on a farm, you can find it there. Right. So like, you're not going to find rice flakes on a farm (laughs) that's super transformed. Right. So we're going to try and eat the less transformed possible uh, this way you have all your vitamins, minerals, more fiber. And then uh, another quarter of your plate should be legumes or nuts. So like uh, chickpeas, uh, lentils, um, edamame, we can have uh, cashews, almonds, uh, any type of those legumes, nuts, and seeds. Um, and having that in your plate, that will give you protein. So you have your vegetables, will, which will allow you to keep yourself full. You have all your vitamins and minerals. You have a quarter of your plate uh, of your grains, which give you energy, and then you have your protein and fats on the other quarter of the plate, with the legumes and nuts that will kind of slow down the absorption of your sugar in your body, and it'll help you out. And what people don't know, they often say, oh, a protein's not complete. Like, oh, the, the protein's more complete like in animal uh, products, but that's not true. Actually, soy products, they have the complete profile of a complete protein. And also what people don't know is that if you eat beans in your day and you eat legumes, And throughout your day, it doesn't need to be at the same moment, but throughout your day, um, that will give you all the little bees that you need to make a complete protein. So it's very important to have that structure in your plate. It doesn't need to be perfect. Like some meals, I just have pasta because I just want pasta. (laughs) It's completely fine. But having that like 80% of the time will give you all the vitamin, most of your vitamins and minerals that you're going to need and macros that you're going to need to have a well-balanced, uh, vegan diet.
0: And for someone who doesn't know what it means to eat whole grains, can you give some examples?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, Quinoa, brown rice, uh, when you choose your bread, get the whole grain or integral grain. That should be your first ingredient. Um, But also there's whole grains, but also potatoes are a good form of uh, carbs. Um, Peas, uh, there's even a bit of carbs in there. So kind of playing around with all of those throughout your day.
0: I actually the other day I don't eat it enough but I had um some farro Faro, however you want to pronounce it yep. um and it was so good and I looked at the yep. nutrition facts and it had fiber and protein and I made like a farro and chickpea salad with like cut up veggies and like a tahini dressing it was so good
1: You're making me hungry. <laughs> yeah, but uh millet I'm half French by the way so that's why I have like in a an accent or sometimes I have difficulties pronouncing things. Oh, I love your and, accent. <laughs> and, but yeah, there's a bunch, go in the grain section and you'll see, there's so many things. There's so many things to try out. Right. I usually like to name the basic ones because it's, when we're already switching everything, then it's scary to also switch your grains, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. There are so many different types of grains to try out.
0: Totally. So let's move into weight loss because this yes. is something that you specialize in. What would your advice be to someone who wants to lose weight? Let's just even not even go to someone who's plant-based and wants to lose weight. Cause I want to go there next, but just start off someone in general who's looking to lose weight.
1: Yeah. Um, first thing I would say is try and find your why, why do you want to lose weight? Right. If you want to lose weight because you want to impress someone or because you want to fit into that dress, unfortunately what we see is that that goal fades away. Like on a Friday night, like you won't be like, I really want to fit into that dress. (laughs) It won't be something that'll be really motivating you. So try and figure out like the reasoning behind it. I, and usually what I'll do with my clients is that we'll remember these reasoning. And these are things that'll kind of help you and give yourself most important is give yourself small objectives. It's great that you want to maybe lose 30 pounds, 50 pounds, like perfect. If that's what you want, that's, that's fine. But then setting yourself smaller goals. You won't feel like you're climbing Mount Everest. You just know that you need to get to the next kilometer, right? And that next kilometer should be small things like, okay, um, what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and reduce the cream that I'm adding in my breakfast, or I'm going to just like small things that will give you more confidence. But unfortunately what I see is people come in hot being like, okay, today's the day (laughs) I'm going to change everything. And then, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday go well, but then like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's binging because they restrict it all week. And then I'm going to eat better on Monday. And that's always the cycle that I see. So finding moderation so having real realistic weight loss goals will be very important too.
0: Yeah. So w- let's say someone, they have their small goals that they want to accomplish um, and they're not seeing results. Because I think that's a common thing like, oh, I eat so healthy, yeah. but I still have trouble losing weight. What would the next step be?
1: Um, I definitely do think honestly, like seeing a coach like you or a dietitian like me, it's very helpful because sometimes it's just like two little tweaks. Sometimes we don't know that there's that many calories in this or this, or we don't. So there's sometimes little things, but the next thing that I like to do with my clients and they already discover things is food journaling. So write down what time you eat at what you're eating, what the portion is. You don't need to go on an app. It doesn't need, you don't need to go and control everything. We don't want to go into that obsession, but you yourself, you'll be able to see patterns of like, okay, like, is it, uh, what does my day look like? And then what I like to do, and to my, the more direct response to your answer would be, um, yes, it is all about what you eat, 100%. And yes, we try and control like quantity. We're like, okay, well, this is the portion, but half of it is psychology. Right? Are you eating mindlessly? Are you eating in front of the computer? If so, that's one habit that you could try and kick to the curb really quickly because just being mindful and asking yourself as you're eating the meal, am I full? Or am I just finishing the plate because I was taught this? Or am I just finishing the plate because I don't want this show to end and I don't want to go back to work? Is it a procrastination method. There's a lot of psychology around it. So it's not just nutrition, it might be nutrition. And if you can't figure out, (laughs) if it's not happening, go see an expert, that will help you out. But there's also 50% of psychology. And what I love to do with the food journaling is asking yourself, how full, how hungry were you before and how full were you after the meal? So if you arrive to a meal really, really hungry and you are eating very fast, I guarantee you, you will overeat in that meal. And it's not because you're not motivated and you forgot your objective. It's purely just your system being like, all right, I'm hungry, (laughs) bring it in, right? Um, and so doing, as, seeing on your journal, how your patterns in, are you waiting too long to eat? Are you, or are you, um, eating until you're too full kind of seeing your patterns will give you a good idea and just force you to be mindful <laughs> during your meals. And that I find will help you if you're not seeing results. Um, and I think you should be something you already do from the start, but one step at a time. Right. But I guess that would be my second step.
0: So how can someone start to have that healthy relationship with food?
1: Yeah, Um, good question. What I like to do with my clients is really look internally. What are your beliefs? What are your core beliefs? Because your core beliefs about food and your body size will impact your thoughts and your thoughts will impact how you feel. And if you feel not good, your behavior will not be good, right? So what I like to do with my clients and with people is to look at what are your core beliefs. So um, um I shouldn't be eating uh carbs because they'll make me gain weight. Let's say we'll, we'll take that one, right? So Alyssa, for example, I'm the, I'm the client, Alyssa d- doesn't think she's allowed to eat uh carbs. So anytime I would look at, uh, or I would, I would try and eat a piece of bread or try and eat, potato or if i would eat one of those things what would happen is that i would feel guilt because uh, you would have that little voice your your uh, diet voice in your mind kind of being like you're not supposed to be doing that and so you'll feel guilty about eating that carb source you'll eat it faster not even enjoy it and then you'll feel guilty after and all usually what i see is the all or nothing mentality well i screwed up my day i ate that one piece of toast and then i'm gonna eat everything and that will lead more into binging right so that's kind of how I would
0: describe it so someone who does have that all or nothing mentality what would you say to them I think that's a common thing like oh I screwed up I had a mini cupcake during the day I blew my whole diet that's it I might as well just eat an unhealthy dinner and forget what I was doing
1: yeah um first thing I would say is it's not your fault um We have been raised, especially our generation, with food culture, food diets, eat this, not that, especially with the internet, right? So all these beliefs that you have, it it isn't your voice. It's voices of critical people around you that you've heard and you've internalized. Now it's become your own voice, right? So the first thing is I would bring empathy into like, it's it's, it's okay that you have this all or nothing mentality because you feel every time you eat a certain piece of food, you have an emotion to tie to it you think something negative about yourself with that food, right? Or negative, uh, about your behavior. So what I would say first is like, you need to kind of accept that it's the diet, that it's the diet culture that is screwing you up. It's not your fault. So that allows you to just be like, okay, I'm not broken. Now what? (laughs) And then that's where I say, get informed about like, what is true and what is not true? Because usually, um, what's triggering people to be all or nothing is when they break a food rule and that food rule comes from your be- beliefs about, uh, I shouldn't be eating sugar. I shouldn't be eating this. There's a lot of emotions tied to it.
0: So then let's kind of tie this together in eating a plant-based diet. I hear yeah. a lot of the time people not recommending a plant-based diet, doctors or dietitians not recommending a plant-based diet because they don't want to give people a food rule. What would you say to that? Oh,
1: yeah. Okay, yeah. I was like, wait, who doesn't recommend plant-based? But yeah, in that sense, um, I do think it's health. It, so I call it genuine health. To be healthy, you need to have, of course, eat nutritious foods, and but you need to have play foods, foods that like you enjoy. So it's true. If your doctor is telling you or your dietitian is telling you eat a plant-based diet, you should be doing this. Then you are just adding food rules, right? Um, but the reality is that. It all comes down to how the food tastes and how it, it looks and if you enjoy it or not. So what I would say is if you're curious about plant-based, go try things, go figure out things that you like. But yeah, I do not think that you should be eating a meal that you dislike. Like, let's say you hate kale. Don't eat kale, <laughs> but find a way to maybe cook it differently. Um, one form of the vegetable or of like chickpeas, like people are often like, ah, oh, chickpeas, it's so gross. When I eat chickpeas, I'm not opening the can and eating it out of the can, right? I'm adding flavors into it. So I would say I don't think I think it can be restrictive if you're doing it for diet purposes and you're using it as a diet. But if you're approaching it and like, okay, there are health benefits, and I'm curious to kind of see what taste buds, my taste buds, would like this, then I do think that you should go forward with it.
0: Got it. That's very helpful. I'm sure to a lot of people. So. As you know, a lot of the plant-based community um, is oil-free or, you know, doesn't cook with oil, won't won't eat oil in a restaurant and just, you know, avoids oil entirely. Um, And I personally, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, vegan Facebook groups, so that I can personally share my recipes with everyone. But in turn, I'm seeing everyone's posts in there. And the other day I saw someone post and say that they accidentally ate oil at a restaurant I guess the restaurant had said it was oil-free. Turns out they put oil in it. And this girl was asking for advice in the group on what she should do. She said her first inclination or she was debating whether she should, um, you know, go on like a juice cleanse for a week to like flush out the oil or she was gonna, you know, purge make herself throw up to get rid of the oil that she ate. So I, I guess, How can someone who's maybe prone to an eating disorder, prone to, you know, those harmful behaviors, um, how can they navigate, um, the diet world? Because, you know, once you put a rule on yourself, like being oil free, you know, that I imagine can be triggering for someone like this girl who posted in the group.
1: Absolutely. Because, um, so there's two things here right so there's how do we treat eating disorders and is it true that we shouldn't be having oil <laughs> right for sure. Uh, first thing there's nothing wrong with oil yes it is more energy dense and yes it is less nutritious than if you have an actual olive or if you have the actual food because it is a derivative so it's more tr- uh, processed um, however there are a lot of benefits in different oils for example if you have olive oil there's great types of fat in there. Um, even if you have uh, flaxseed oil or all those types of um, flaxseed oil, hemp seed oil, they have omega threes in there. So all that to say oil should not be, should not be villainized and it should not be the enemy. Right. And that is a perfect example of a food rule, right. Of something that has no uh, it's, it's like carbs, like, Oh, we shouldn't be eating carbs. If you have celiac disease and if you're intolerant to uh, to wheat, fine, but that's 10% of the population. (laughs) Like there's another 90%, right? So the first thing I would say is for the oil, if you don't like the taste, I respect it, but having that fear of having oil and getting really angry to that extent, like the story that you just explained, there's definitely an issue there. Um, because food is food and what is a tablespoon of olive oil at the end of your, in your meal in a lifetime, (laughs) right? So the first thing for, um, Binge eating disorder or any types of uh, disorder, that I do recommend seeing professionals for it because there is so many things that are intertwined in it. Usually, what we will do as as a dietitian or as a healthcare professional, what we'll do is um, we we will talk to the person first. The person has to be open to receiving the treatment. If the person isn't, she has an issue, <laughs> there's no point in having a dietitian there or somebody to help out, right? So the first thing is accepting that help. And then working on all your food beliefs, right? So why do you think oil, what do you think oil is going to do? So this person right there thinks that oil has a really negative impact on them. And that's why they're reacting in that negative, day, negative way. So we kind of have to reframe that and we have to change the deep core beliefs that are making her have a uh, reaction and then feelings and then a behavior that's going to be negative. So we really um, CBT cognitive behavior therapy is often used in those uh those moments in those situations. But it's not easy, right? Like, I have so much empathy for this girl. Like, it's easy to be like, oh my God, what is that? But like, that it's really not easy to, to be at that point and to get out of that point. There is a light, absolutely, but it's not, it's baby steps.
0: Yeah. And it upsets me, as you said, that it's been demonized, villainized, that oil is now just so looked down upon to include in a recipe to eat in your diet. And, you know, some of these Facebook groups will kick you out if you post a recipe with oil. So I've been wanting to talk to more plant-based healthcare professionals who do you know, say, it's okay to have a little cold pressed olive oil, add some, I actually just got some macadamia nut oil. That's so good. (laughs) Um, have some avocado oil, like it's not going to kill you. And you know, there's something to be said about having like the mono unsaturated fats and better quality oils. Like I would suggest, I don't know about you, I'd suggest like a cold pressed olive oil over like a canola oil or maybe something that's more, you know, GMO or processed. Um, That doesn't have as many benefits, but, but yeah, thank you for
1: shedding light on that.
0: I, I do want to talk about binge eating because we've kind of been touching on the surface of that, but I want to dive a little bit deeper because it is something that is very prevalent these days, something that a lot of people struggle with, something that you said you deal with a lot in your own practice. So Mm -hmm. to start off, what is binge eating disorder? What classifies a binge eating disorder?
1: Yeah. Good question. Um, Usually binge eating disorder, it happens at least twice a week for the past three months. There's different criteria, different levels, but that's a criteria that we'll have to be like, okay, like what level is this person at? What happens is that this person will eat a large amount of food, larger than what a normal quote unquote person would eat. And they would, and it's in a short period of time and they would feel a loss of control as eating this food. Um, And they would feel shame and guilt right after. Oftentimes, I also see people being very secretive about it. So it's usually when people aren't around. Um, and it's just the way that we would explain it, it's just a blackout. Like you out, and you're like, oh my God, I just ate two bags of chips, right? It's just that loss of control and feeling very, very negative after. So unfortunately, uh, it seems like we see so many things online. I don't know if you, you probably see the same thing, but like, oh, I'm eating a full pizza. Ha-ha. Or like, just like, oh, binge, ha but it's actually a a condition just as bad as bulimia or anorexia, right? And it really influences your confidence, how you feel about yourself and it's very damaging uh, in terms of just your overall quality of life. So it is a real condition and oftentimes people, the way to describe it is that they're gonna be good throughout the day. So they don't eat much in the morning or they're, they're having healthy things in the morning, in the afternoon, or sorry, lunch afternoon. And usually it's nighttime, at least with my clients and most clients, what we see is that's when it like something happens <laughs> and a trigger happens. And then it's just, they eat a very, very large amount of food with enormous amount of guilt and shame and just uh, feeling hopelessness. Oh man, why did it happen again?
0: So someone who maybe you just described that someone might think to themselves, you know what? That sounds like me. How can they go about finding help?
1: Yeah, um, if you want to do it on your own, uh, of course, ha- having a professional, having a professional that just knows how to handle with uh, eating disorders, 100 um, percent. Psychologists also. Uh, Psychologists will help a lot because oftentimes just anxiety, depression, um, there's a lack of coping mechanism for a certain thing that's happening in your life and you're it could be taken out on food which is fine right we want to like this is so many of us have learned to cope with food we're happy we eat we're sad we eat we, <laughs> right so it's there you're not alone in this is the first thing I would want to say and if you're doing it alone um it's a little harder but it's definitely possible what I do recommend is having meal a meal every two to four hours and something similar to what I just described at the beginning, the healthy plate, uh, for your meals and having a real like good snack. The only thing that's associated to that though, and this is why it's scary. And this is why a lot of people come and get help is that they're scared of gaining weight, right? <laughs> Even though they know they're eating a lot of calories at night, they're scared of adding snacks or adding more into their meals because they're scared it's going to be too much food. So I would say take baby steps and just try and give yourself more of a, uh, more meals throughout the day so that at least for the side of your body yeah just your body how it works you're feeding it properly after that the second path is the whole uh relationship with food so what triggers it is it because it's an emotion that's triggering it is it because you're feeling guilty when you eat something so then you have to look introspectively i usually recommend doing food journals and write down your thoughts what are your behaviors around it and try and see okay well i'm thinking this way Why am I thinking this way? Is it really true that um, if I eat a piece of bread, I will get overweight, right? So you can ask yourself questions in that way.
0: And to someone who wants to overcome emotional eating, because obviously the two are very tied together. And I I think that's a big thing too. Emotional eating, stress eating, eating in relation to your emotions. How can someone begin to overcome that separate from what you just said?
1: Yeah, uh, first thing is making sure you have enough meals, because if you are hungry and you're angry, you, you will overeat, <laughs> right? So that having it, feeding your body properly, that's your number one. Um, for emotional eating, obviously a psychologist helps a lot because oftentimes it's because you're not properly proper processing the emotion that you have. Um, however, there's different reasons why you emotionally, eat. you might be lonely, you might be bored, especially right now with COVID, <laughs> lonely, bored, you might be angry. Um, so you have to ask yourself, so let's say you're heading to your fridge and, and you're in your emotions, this it's, and it's harder, e- it's easier said than done, but you have to, as you're in that moment, ask yourself, okay, wait, hold on, like time out. What, it, what emotion am I feeling right now? And what do I actually need? So if you're actually bored, then, okay, I need to go, um, go do an activity, right? But that you have to s- switch your pattern right there. Or if I'm lonely, I'm going to have to call someone, right? Or if I'm feeling angry, why are you feeling angry? Well, I'm not, I feel like my boss isn't listening to me. Okay, well, have a discussion with this person, right? So there's a lot of, you have to ask yourself, what is triggering you? That's the first step for emotional eating. Just that is a task at hand for at least one to two weeks. (laughs) It won't just disappear. This is your coping mechanism.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's like the boredom eating. Like, I'll just find myself opening the fridge or the pantry, and I'm being like, I'll be like, why am I looking in here? I'm not, I literally just ate lunch, but I'll most likely be wanting like popcorn if I'm watching a show for no reason, or I'll just want like a sweet to like cap off my meal, um, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with. But I think for me, the number one is boredom or just like needing inactivity. And I find it's especially like if I'm out. In my living room, like if I'm in my bedroom away from my kitchen, I don't really think about food as much. But if I'm like next to my kitchen or like watching TV in the living room that's next to my kitchen, then for some reason I'm more likely to snack.
1: Absolutely. Well, we see in studies if the foods around, <laughs> this is why people are like, oh, put veggies or fruits around the house, like where you see it. Um, it's because if the foods around, like. You will, you could be triggered just by the sight of it or the smell of it, especially if you're cooking great food all day. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with a lot of people coming and see me and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm having this chocolate after every meal. It's very, like, I shouldn't be having that. Says who, right? That's the first question to ask yourself. Is it true that you're unhealthy if you have a little piece of chocolate after? do you really want it? And then what I do with people is I do ex- what we call exposure therapy. So by so if you're saying that you shouldn't be having chocolate, let's say, you didn't say this, but like let's say somebody comes and they're like, I shouldn't be having chocolate, or I shouldn't, I, that I should be having this food. Then this food is heightened. Everybody want you want it more. All of a sudden, this chocolate is like I want it really bad, right? So in that moment, if you're eating because you're bored, you have to ask yourself, okay, well, do I really want this chocolate? And I, you have to come into like, I'm allowed to have it if I want it, but first, am I only eating because I'm bored or because procrastination? I don't know about you, but me procrastination is the one that I know I have to be diligent about. I have to be like, okay, Alyssa, what are you actually like trying not to do? (laughs) And then I just try and break down that task and make it smaller. But that exposure therapy, where you're allowing yourself to have that food every time it makes the food less exciting. Therefore it makes it less desirable over the long run which seems weird because when people come see a dietitian, they think they're going to be told eat vegetables. But instead I'm like, okay, well right after a meal, when you're not hungry, I want you to sit down mindfully and really take the time to enjoy that chocolate and not eat it out of guilt because you feel like you shouldn't be having it. And all of a sudden my clients come and see me a couple of weeks later and they're like, yeah, I don't actually want that chocolate.
0: <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit. What about exercise? what do you, what kind of exercise do you recommend? I know it's, you know, a little bit based on the individual, but maybe how many times per week, what's an appropriate amount of time to exercise every day?
1: Yeah. So what we've seen is overall, it's good to be active. Right. I think I don't need to justify that. Everybody agrees. Right. (laughs) Um, but, um, what I've seen is that a lot of people will do activities because they think that this is the highest, I'll burn more calorie. This is the highest interval or this is whatever the term of the marketing was on the product. (laughs) They'll, 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 they'll take it for that. Right. But you have to ask yourself the question, do I really enjoy this? Does it make me more stressed after, does it make me more stressed to do it? Or is this something I'm looking forward to you really need to find a, a sport or an activity or, uh, some type of movement that you enjoy. And I know it's like contradicting because I used to work in gyms and we used to be like five times a week, like minimum for weight loss, right? But what we saw is that people would just quit after and then they would feel not good about themselves. And then they would overeat because they're not feeling good about themselves. And then it's just this black spiral. So the first thing I do with people is um, what activity will you actually enjoy? What is actually convenient? What actually works in your schedule? It's weird that maybe you want to go skiing every day, but maybe it's not realistic. (laughs) So what can you really bring in? And in terms of time, like you said, like, okay, let's put something specific. Usually what we recommend is 150 minutes of exercise per week of at least like a heartbeat that goes up a bit. And if, if you do a more intense activity where heartbeat really goes up, it's 75 minutes. So it's not that long. And I think that it's important to know this because so many of my clients are like, I don't want to do it because I don't want to do it an hour every single day. Like it seems like so much work, but even if you did 20 minutes, every single day, you'd be fine. 25 minutes every single day, be fine. Or like three times 50 minutes or like just breaking it down and bringing it down and not feeling the pressure to have to do this intense workout uh, for this long period of time, because who wants to do that? Especially now it's, (laughs) it's not motivating.
0: And how would that, would the same information be relevant to someone who wants to lose weight?
1: Uh, yes. And so I'll first say, yeah, good question. I'll first say yes. Um, I think that it's important to know that usually I find weight loss is like 80% nutrition. So you can do a lot with nutrition, uh, and then physical activity. I do it more, not necessarily to, I don't want to go in that calorie mindset where like, okay, I have to like work out to like restrict and lose weight. You want to go more in the mindset that I want to feel better. I want to move and have more clarity and then be able to make better food choices that are nourishing for me, right? But I find that if you go in the mindset of like, I should be doing like, now that I'm doing weight loss, I should do it five times a week, then it becomes, it's fine for a month or three weeks, honestly. But then after that, you don't want to ever go back. And then you have a bad relationship with exercise. I have a lot of my clients where I have to, we have to rebuild that relationship with exercise because they they tie it to like a regime and something not fun. So why would you want to go back to it? I 100% like agreed that like <laughs> if you didn't have fun doing it you're not going to go back to it so let's find something fun and also what i would add and you probably agree with me on this one is we underestimate so much how much just moving around just like walking or being less at the computer <laughs> has an impact on our overall health and in this context weight um so just moving more that's huge if you're cleaning your house more often perfect. That's a form of exercise, (laughs) right? You're playing with your kids. That's a form of exercise that counts too. It doesn't mean that you have to go in your basement on your stairmaster and like do diligent, like very intense workouts.
0: For sure. And I notice on the days where I'm doing a lot, like if I have to clean the house, if I have to make a recipe and run around the kitchen, if I have to do three errands, go to the grocery store, I have a Fitbit so I can see everything. My calories will be even more than when I just did a workout because you're just active and running around and your heart rates up all day and more elevated than if you're just sitting and watching TV. So I totally get that.
1: That's a perfect example. Yeah.
0: So before we wrap up, can you tell us about your new course?
1: Yes. Um, so since I'm a dietitian only in Canada, I'm only allowed to take Canadian clients. I can't do one-on-one clients, uh, in the States. Um, but you could do them with Danielle. So that's perfect. Oh, no, you don't do them anymore. Right. <laughs> um, so I decided to do to, to do to create a course where I put all the information that I share with my clients that are the most important to be able to thrive on a plant based diet. So whether your goal is to, just to like, even if you're already vegan and you want to make sure you're having the, you're eating the right things, that's a course for you. Or even if you're a new vegan, that's a course for you, too. So there's a lot of information inside of it. I give all the recipes. There's even a workout plan (laughs) uh, with a kinesiologist. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop to get all your information when you don't have access to a dietitian who is plant-based or who is vegan. So uh, it's available if you go on my TikTok or my Instagram account, you'll have the link directly there. And then you can ask all your questions in this course, and then I will uh, respond to all your questions. So... I will be there 24-7, maybe not 24-7, but very often.
0: <laughs> and what is your Instagram and TikTok account handle so everyone can go find you?
1: Yes, so it's Alyssa Fontaine RD. So A-L-Y-S-S-A, Fontaine, French word, F-O-N-T-A-I-N-E, R, and then RD for registered dietitian. so RD. So Alyssa Fontaine RD. Both of it is the same for Instagram and TikTok. I got lucky. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Well, everyone go check her out because she's awesome. Whether you're interested in being plant-based, whether you're plant-based already and need a little bit more help, she can definitely guide you in the right direction. Thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun.
1: No, thank you. And you're honestly the greatest host.
0: You're so good at this. I'm impressed. (laughs) Oh, you're so sweet. We'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.